0: Hi there, it's Friday, November 18th, and this is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler, where we talk about the latest things on our website, on our mind. I am Laura Redman, I'm the Deputy Digital Director, and I'm here with an excellent cast today. We've got Lily Marcus, contributing digital editor, Mark Elwood, same, and Sebastian Modak, associate digital editor. And we're going to talk about layovers today, something that is typically... No one likes a layover, right? But there are a lot of countries and airlines doing something to change the idea of a layover into a stopover, something that is actually part of your vacation. And Lili, you have a lot to say about this.
1: Yeah. I, You know, I've been covering this beat for a while, but I think it would be remiss if we didn't start by talking about the company that invented the idea of the fun stopover, which is Icelandair. And earlier this week, I had an opportunity to talk with the CEO of Icelandair, whose name I will now mangle, Birker Goodnessen, And he called me... I think that was okay, right? Yeah, better than I could have done. I practiced a couple times before this, (laughs) by which I mean 100. Uh, But he and I talked about, what I didn't realize, actually, is that the program has been around since the 1960s. So a lot of other airlines have only started doing these stopover packages where you get to stay three or four days in a city for free on your way somewhere else within the last like five years. So Icelandair was really a pioneer doing this. So it was cool to get to talk to him about it.
0: Well, I think we have that interview, so we're going to go straight to it.
1: So, uh, first thing, would you mind pronouncing your name for me? Unfortunately, I don't speak Icelandic.
2: Yeah, it's Birgir Horn Götnason.
1: And Birgir, you're the CEO of Icelandair.
2: Yes, I am.
1: So, we are talking this week on our podcast about layover programs and how for a long time people saw a layover as something boring that you did in an airport and that you hated. But now, thanks to Icelandair and a lot of other companies like you, it's become something fun and a way to add a couple of extra days onto your trip. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the stopover program at Icelandair?
2: Yeah, basically we have been doing it for decades now, uh, but two years ago we decided to put more focus on it with a uh, global campaign where basically we were running the same campaign at the same time from all our markets and in all our markets and basically our Iceland Iceland's stoppour, allows you to stay seven days in Iceland without paying anything additional in the airfare so you can stay one day or, or up to seven days on your way to Europe or from Europe to the U.S. So you can basically add a destination to your trip or itinerary when you are traveling, for example, from New York to Amsterdam. You can stay to three or seven days in Iceland. So uh, basically what we decided two years ago was to put more emphasis on it. And, and last year, last winter, we decided to start a so-called uh, Stop Over Party campaign, which basically... Means that uh, we offered our stopover passengers one day in Iceland with one of our employees as a stopover buddy, and I was taking part in it. I, oh, I took what was what one were you doing? Passengers from uh, Kentucky in the U.S. up uh, to my hometown Akureyri. So oh wow! For one day. So
1: one thing that I think most people don't know is you just mentioned that you guys have really amped up the program and done more marketing around it, but hasn't the yeah. program been around since, what, the 60s or 70s?
2: Yeah, basically, uh, we used to be called the HB uh, Airline, uh, flying between New York and Luxembourg in the old days, when our name was Love Player Atlantic, and a lot of Americans flew with us, Transatlantic and we offered stopover, and we have been offering stopover ever since. And we really believe by offering a stopover, you will basically love the product and the country because I think the best tool to sell Iceland is if you experience it.
1: Yeah, and that's actually exactly what I noticed. I did a three-day stopover, then I went back and went for a week, but I only went to Iceland. For that week, what do you think, based on the feedback that you guys get, I think that this layover program has really changed the way that people think about Iceland by giving them an opportunity to experience it, but what kind of feedback do you guys get? Was it, oh, I thought Iceland would be more like this, but instead I realized it has this other thing?
2: If we say 10 years ago, I think most of the people, for example, in America that believed Iceland was further away than it actually is, it's actually only five to six hours from the East Coast. It's uh, four to five hours from Boston, while it takes six hours to fly to L.A. from the East Coast. So, uh, and if you ask people in U.K., they probably believed it was four to six-hour flight, but it's only uh, two and a half, three hours' flight. So I think people realized that Iceland, of course, after the volcanic eruption in, in 2010, when our volcano Eja Kjallajökull erupted, It was a lot of PR, and even though it was during the time not a positive PR for Iceland because we were closing the airspace, it was a huge PR worldwide and all over the world. And I think people realized then how beautiful the nature in Iceland is and and how... It's not that far away from the U.S. Or, or Europe.
1: So do you have a couple of great examples of the Stopover Buddy program, especially since you're using it with your own employees? I imagine you've heard a lot of interesting stories.
2: Yeah, basically, we asked our employees to take part in this. And uh, for example, one of our pilots and captains, he took uh, a guest uh, for heliskiing and another one is running for marathon and and the third one horseback riding and and the fourth one uh, where hobby is yoga so basically the initial idea was research uh, show us that a lot of people are spending too much time uh, analyzing uh, or getting information about the destinations online a lot of people are basically overspending while on holiday because they don't have the local knowledge and We see the trend that tourists today, they would like to spend time with the locals. And the initial idea was, okay, if we spend time one day with them, we tell them where to eat, which uh, basically tours to take and where to go and what to see and where to stay and all that, then we could help them uh, save time and money.
1: We have a big debate going on with our readers about the Blue Lagoon. We're pretty much split down the middle. Half the people say it's the best thing in Iceland and everybody should go. And half say it's overrated, everybody knows about it, it's too crowded, you should skip it. What's your personal opinion? Should our readers go to the Blue Lagoon?
2: Yeah, definitely. And we actually have another Blue Lagoon up north now. But they have in recent years, they have basically try to limit the number of people that are in it at the the time, at the same time. So uh, the experience is much better now, and it's almost a quota. They have slots, so you have to book in advance. And uh, the experience, of course, is unique, and I would recommend everyone to go there. It's something that you will never experience in your life.
1: When I went, I got a skier smoothie from the swim-up bar, and it's still one of my favorite things that I did when I was there.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that is really the image of Iceland, I think. And I think it's really why Iceland is, is popular at the moment, is that we have the clean water and the clean air and, and fresh fish and fresh food and and nice culture here. And I think people didn't realize that Iceland was not that far away. And, and also they when you come to Reykjavik, Iceland, it reminds you a little bit of, a small city as such. It's a very vibrant culture here and, and a lot of restaurants and cafes and shops and design shops and it's actually it looks like a one million city but it's actually two hundred thousand delicious.
0: Wonderful. Well thank you so much Berk. Thank you, Lulie and the CEO of Iceland Air. That was really good. And my favorite thing, I also saw it in the Times yesterday. I can't believe they're giving credit to a volcano erupting for the boom in tourism in twenty ten. I mean, I
1: almost asked him to repeat the name of the volcano a couple say, of times because yeah. that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I do think it was interesting because I'm trying to remember the volcano happened before I visited Iceland. and it was definitely it's interesting that Berker mentioned people didn't realize Iceland is halfway for a lot of us, that it's between the US and a lot of continental Europe, that was a nice way to get Iceland in the news in terms of reminding people geographically where it is. When you heard about all the flights getting delayed and canceled and grounded, that was this nice reminder of why it's such a central flight hub. Mm -hmm. So he's right. I mean, it seems really weird to credit this huge volcanic explosion that delayed a lot of flights and wrecked a lot of people's travel as a positive, but it did ultimately work out for them.
3: But I'm curious because I think it's interesting that The stopover program is almost tailor-made for a country like Iceland, which sits at the fulcrum of a very important travel channel. Can you have stopover programs in places that are less well situated? Almost that you're detouring to stop over there because Iceland, you're just—it's like you're stopping off en route.
4: I think so because I think sure they you know have that geographic advantage, but. What really shocked me is the foresight they had, that they were thinking about this in the nineteen sixties. I mean, Iceland was under prohibition in the nineteen sixties. Um, so they
3: wouldn't have had many stop many <laughs> voluntary stopovers <laughs> right, then. But they, like-
4: you know, like to have that foresight to be like, you know, we could over, you know, in the long view, we could turn this into something really big and really successful.
1: I think it's not just that they're central and they're on the way. I think it's also that they're a small country that's very centralized and centralizes all their resources. My dad actually went to Iceland in the 70s, not for a layover program. He was going to a conference in Reykjavik and the Reykjavik airport used to be super tiny, like five gates in the middle of Reykjavik, like two minutes Uh away from downtown. And they already, in the 70s, were making plans to, hey, I don't know if this is going to work out long term, we should get longer runways, started making plans for the current Keflavik airport that we now know about. And when I was last in Iceland two years ago, they were investing heavily in Akiyuri Airport in the north of the country, which is the other biggest airport in Iceland. And I thought it was really telling that they're still thinking a step ahead. It's about... How can we make sure that the airport can accommodate all of these people? How can we make sure that they're building hotels at this crazy clip right now? Not just so it's in not just, But that's but it's interesting.
3: Everything. So it's not just that Iceland was strategically situated. The country was run sort of un, not not undemocratically, but efficiently enough that they could make a resource decision. They could make an operational decision, rather than the airline saying, "Why don't we do this?" and no one supporting it.
1: Right. I mean, look at if one of the American airlines tried to do something like that, multiple cities would be fighting over it. Atlanta would want Delta to do it through Atlanta. You know, you'd get. New York fighting versus L.A. versus Boston, everybody would think that they needed that infrastructure and they deserved that money because it was government money. So I think the fact that Reykjavik is it meant that they didn't have those kind of internal squabbles and they could just focus everything there.
0: Well, the parallels between Reykjavik and the other cities that have started doing this as well, which you've been writing about. I mean, there's Lisbon, Toronto, Panama City. Yeah. Is that another one? Uh, Taipei, Doha. So those are all cities that we might also think of as, you know, reasonably well located, but also flying slightly under the radar, but have the kind of compact city center and resources and, you know, Major airlines passing through making a big bid, especially in the Middle East?
1: Well, it's got to be a national airline, which I think is interesting. In order for them to really get the money to back this kind of a program, it can't just be an airline deciding to go rogue and do this program. I mean, in Canada, it's Air Canada, but it's also the city of Toronto. They were really eager to build their tourism infrastructure. They invested in this, uh, the UP Express, which is this great express train that runs between the airport and downtown and can get you there in 20 minutes. So it takes a couple of different organizations working together so it helps that a lot of these are countries where there's one national carrier like there's a layover program in Helsinki
0: because it's Finnair. Got it. Do we think this is good though for you know for Reykjavik for We'll see how it plays out in all these other cities, but I talked. think
3: Reykjavik is a cautionary tale. I have to say, I really Reykjavik is a bit like that relative that you loved before they got famous. Mm-hmm. It's sort of. Do you, you have
1: a lot of famous relatives? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I was going to say, oh yeah, that relative. Uh, oh, that relative. Yeah.
1: Uh, do you have multiple <laughs> examples no, but, of that yeah. relative?
3: <laughs> I ask me after another glass of wine, I'll tell you. The problem is, it's a bit like Reykjavik was charming and cool. And then it all went to its head in some ways that are great for the local industry. But you know, the fact that it's now a giant cruise port, the fact that there's this huge stopover takes away the Reykjavíkness and it becomes an Icelandic theme park for the people who are visiting and I struggle you know I've stayed in lots of different hotels in Reykjavik and I've been very unimpressed by them at every price point point. and I sort of think well you know this charming little boutique hotel isn't charming Ooh. and I've really struggled because I, I love the idea of what Icelandair is doing I just haven't enjoyed what I got when I got there
1: I keep thinking of this Groupon cautionary tale There was a cupcake place, I think in Washington, D.C., that was on Groupon, and they thought, well, we're new, we need a way to get people to come to our business and check our stuff out. So they did this huge Groupon. They made like 10,000 available because they thought nobody would buy them, and all of a sudden it sold out, and they practically bankrupted their business having to make all of these cupcakes for people. And what programs like the Icelander Stopover do, I think, is give people a taste of something and then hopefully get them hungry to purchase the rest of the meal. And if anything, it's so funny to me because they're such a victim of their own success. They did such a good job marketing Iceland to people and such a good job giving people a bite of the cake and then asking them to come back and buy the rest of the cake. There is no cake.
4: <laughs> is Is part of it the Reykjavik-Rest of Iceland divide, though? I mean, it sounded like... Well, the, the CEO himself was saying, "Like, yeah, we need to start getting people to go out into the countryside and come during the winter, and so sort of dilute that." I've, saturation. I've been
3: to I've been to Iceland in the winter, and actually, for a, you know, a long-term New Yorker, it's not that much colder. In fact, it's warmer than Chicago or Minnesota. So, going in the winter is almost the charming part because you're in snow-capped kind of Mars scapes. So, I can see that. But I I've also been up to Aquari and. Was it interesting to go? Everywhere is interesting ones. Would I send someone to Aquarius? Not really. Mm-hmm. Not unless you're looking to, you know, scrabble board, you know, get the best possible score on your travel scrabble board. <laughs> you want to go to Reykjavik. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think also the population of Iceland is, what, 90% of the population lives in and around Reykjavik? It's it's actually a bigger problem for the entire country than just where tourists want to go. It goes back to the question of infrastructure. If I want to visit a small town in Iceland, is there a place for me to stay? Mm -hmm. Where am I going to eat dinner?
0: Well, right now, I mean, we've got major American brands setting up shop there. The Canopy by Hilton just opened. They just had an opening, I think, this week. I mean, is that what you want when you go to Reykjavik? Maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, it's Lily like you're saying, like the population, 90% of it's there, and it's only 332,000 people. And in the last year, they had 1.6 million visitors.
3: And there's just, for a long time, That's there was crazy. just Hotel 101 as the cool place down on the harbor where the Harper um, concert hall now is. And that was it. But I'm curious if there's anyone listening who's taken this stopover and done it this way. Did they have the same impressions as you know we did? Did it encourage people to go to Iceland? Has anyone done it because it was a great
4: deal? Or why did they do it? Because yeah, I mean, I th- I still do think it's not the downsides of this program that we're seeing play out now isn't a result of the kind of concept of the layover program as such, but more... I mean, there's something about Iceland, right? I mean, maybe it's partially the location, but, like, I don't see Doha being, like, overrun with tourists anytime soon, you know, despite Qatar Airways layover program there. So there's something that appeals to... But I could see Lisbon. I
3: could see... Because Lisbon is one of those cities. I've actually never been to Lisbon. Lisbon is one of those cities that you say to someone and you think oh lisbon that would be an amazing yeah. i'd forgotten about lisbon that sounds amazing what a historic and historic place to go with the you know this went after the earthquake the whole architecture being so uniform and i think lisbon is probably the best analog to reykjavik and thinking what can they learn from how to prepare for this
0: well and also lisbon's getting a lot of press right now a bunch of publications are calling it one of their top places for mm-hmm. 2017. Seems a little early to be putting out that list, but <laughs> fine. We did
1: call it the most underrated city in Europe, we did, in Condé Nast Traveler. Uh, I have been to Lisbon. I loved it. It's I think, wonderful, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a nice way to almost like a backdoor. I think people underestimate certain cities. There are some that, especially if you don't get to travel a lot and you don't have a lot of opportunities, you just think, okay, I have to go to Paris. I really want to go to Paris on this trip. That's my number one goal. And if an airline makes the program easy to do and to book, why not?
4: I think it's also though important to talk about layovers in the context of not programmatic layovers, right? By creating these programs, they're clearly like targeting something about the way we travel. What's your guys take on layovers? If you see but, a flight that's like, okay, I've got this flight, but it's got me, you know, in a certain city for 12 hours, is that something you're excited about or is that something you're like, but, no, I'm but not But as a, that and flight. I think
3: that's a great question. So, as a non-American, one of the things that struck me about the different traveling habits. I started in travel as a tour guide for Americans in Europe and I took Americans on art tours around Italy what struck me was the pressure to cram in as much as possible because official vacation days at most corporate white collar jobs here are astonishingly scarce. Mm. So the stopover is a very American friendly way to try
4: and squeeze in a little bonus. I mean, I totally agree. It's like you get to cheat your way to check off a city, you know? I've done it a million times. I always call it the, if
1: it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium effect.
4: I mean, I've, I've done it, I've, you know, but it's.
0: But does it really I count? Think, Do well, you really I, check that place off?
4: I mean, I think so. I think like I have one very memorable layover that in Frankfurt. I'd been to Germany before. I'd never really had much of a desire to go hang out in Frankfurt.
0: I kind of love the airport. I'd hang out at that airport for a while. <laughs> but I
4: had like a good 12 hours or something on a layover in Frankfurt. But where did you leave your bed? You see, I'm one of the people, and I think I'm
3: rare in this, but maybe some of the listeners can make me feel less freaky about this. If I have any kind of layover, I just stay in the airport no just way. in case anything happens. I'm like, I know what where you do mean. I, put-
1: I It's hard to fight that urge, man. Especially if I can get into a lounge and like take a shower and use
4: yeah, the I, Wi-Fi. I completely... I'm oh, completely oh, on the other just, side. But I leave for and me, then I'm like...
0: Journey, not the destination. Oh,
4: for, for me, I'll take a 12-hour connection over a five-hour connection. If it's just long enough where I'm going to be like, hit hour four at the airport and just be like, ah, you know, I would be I'll there. lose ha- my mind. Whatever it is. I'm just
3: terrified the plane will take off early and yeah. I won't be there. I'll be in a traffic accident on the way back. Like,
1: something will happen.
3: <laughs> I will and miss I some will say- really
1: important announcement.
3: <laughs> exactly. Always. And I will be like, oh, all to just take a photograph of myself in front of Milan Cathedral, I missed
4: my flight <laughs> or, to Tokyo. I mean, I've, we talked about, this is now the second time in three podcasts that I'm talking about <laughs> this, but I'm going to Baku in December. That hasn't been because on my list. Because of a layover program? Because of well, a, well, not a or, program. Uh,
0: just a layover. <laughs>
4: Although, I, I, you know, arguably a program. So they, the visa process for Azerbaijan is usually very intense. But if you're just there for the layover, because they know that they their flight schedules, you know, make it difficult. They kind of waive that, and you get a three-day visa for your stay there. Well, look, and I'm you, like more excited about that than going to Dubai.
0: You may have the meal <laughs> of your life in Baku. I mean, what if you have
4: a? Layover? But you can have it, can it at the airport. No. go to a restaurant oh, I, at the airport. I mean, I mean I can't. Okay,
1: I do think there's one thing that we're missing from this, though. And we live in New York, where you can get a direct flight practically anywhere in the world. When I was growing up, I'm from Raleigh, if we ever wanted to go somewhere beyond the East Coast, odds were really high that we were going to have a layover. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't if we wanted one, it was which one do you want? It was like what's less terrible, a layover at Hartsfield or a layover at O'Hare? Those are your choices. When you think about the layover as something you're going to get stuck doing no matter what, then you start thinking about, well, what would be my optimal layover? What's the best possible situation? Is it a town where I have the option that even if I can't drive or I I don't want to rent a car. It's easy to get into the city center and I can go do something interesting. Is there a lounge at the airport or a hotel at the airport where I could crash? Like that's, to me, the value judgment that you start making. I
4: fell in love with Johannesburg through a series of layovers. I mean, I was living in Haberunia in Botswana. You can't get anywhere without going to Joburg first. At first it was, you know, I'll just stay in the airport, get my connecting flight. You know, I'm scared. And then it turned into like, oh, maybe I'll go into town and go for a walk. And then it turned into like, you know what, I'm going to spend three days in Joburg and then continue my trip.
3: But I think Lily's making a great point. Essentially, you're saying lemons make lemonade, don't suck on the lemons. So we're now embracing what I always think is very important about layovers, though, is to do a little bit of research, not just about what you can do, what the connections are. But, for example, if you're going to take a layover in the winter. Try and connect in the Sun Belt so that you're less likely to hit weather. Because remember, every time you interrupt a journey, you've got two flights, so twice as much could go wrong. If it's hurricane season, don't connect through Miami. Connect through Dallas. If it's January, don't connect through Chicago. Connect through Atlanta. So think about about the logistics around that layover, because a little bit of planning... Can turn it into a brilliant experience, right. and no planning can make it just a plane. Can, can back. backfire. Yeah, there's a completely. website that I
1: love called Sleeping in Airports, and ostensibly, it's about. What happens if you're stranded in this airport and you actually have to spend the night there? So it rates things like are there good airport hotels that aren't that expensive that you can get to without leaving the terminal or do they have a shuttle that'll come pick you up? Is there Wi-Fi? Which is always my number one Mm -hmm. question about any airport even if I am spending literally 20 minutes in it. I wanna know if they have Wi-Fi. (laughs) Uh, So it goes through like airport amenities, how late restaurants stay open, how easy it is to buy stuff in it. And I think it's a great resource just because you don't always plan for a layover
0: sometimes you get stuck with one and at least you have something to work with well let me okay we're talking logistics you're on Iceland Air. you are flying only with them you checked your bag you have a you know 12 hour layover you don't worry about your bag your bag's fine you just you kind of go about your business and yeah yeah, everything's fine. Okay, so what if you
3: <laughs> But it also but you see but I think you're making the point. I think you're making a great point. Essentially, a layover is more fun if you pack heavy and check your bag because if I have my little rollerboard and my laptop backpack, I'm just trundling to the middle of Johannesburg
4: with well, a bag. But then I plan it out.
0: Yeah. Have you seen those? Are there any more? There are still some, where? not a lot.
4: I mean, I just think you them plan at accordingly. Train you know, like I no. I travel with a backpack and a check-in bag. But, but this know? is, but
3: it's it's an interesting observation because I think it, it's worth remembering. If you've got a layover, you should check your yeah. bag, despite what we say. Or oh, don't check it. Think of it that way right. because there aren't really lockers anymore. So if you've got that layover, Why not?
0: Because of bombs. Because man. of bombs.
3: That makes. Total sense. That's the
0: answer to as every many questions about travel, yeah.
3: by the way. <laughs> I'm just working on a story about what makes us safe when we travel, so don't be too afraid. But Spoiler I, alert. <laughs> no, we're just trailing stories to come. But I think that's an interesting thing to think about how nimble you are when you've got that layover. Actually, bad packers, you're better for layovers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you also have to keep in mind some of the security stuff. Like, I did a flight from New York to LA to Sydney. And on the way back, I thought, yeah, maybe I'll stay a day or two in LA, see my cousins, it'll be fun. But I had a short layover and when I thought about leaving the airport, you have to do customs as soon as you arrive in the United States, even if it's not your final destination, you have to go pick up your checked bag from the luggage carousel and go back through it again. And that's gonna tack on easily an hour or two, depending where you are. So that's the thing to keep in mind.
3: And it's also worth, I think, we're really looking at layovers in the sense of an airline, the same <laughs> operating airline Breaking in the middle, not the sense of two separate flights, which can be quite risky. What you're saying is I'm on Qantas from New York to LA to Sydney what is the layover rather than I'll book Qantas LA Sydney and then JetBlue LA New York that's a different
1: yeah there was one interesting program KLM was doing in Amsterdam they were specifically focusing on Americans and Canadians who were laying over in Amsterdam on the way to somewhere else in Europe because we have the option to get out of the airport visa free nothing to worry about cuts down on customs time and they gave anybody who was flying on KLM who had a layover of more than six hours I think a free train ticket to and from the city, and they would pair you up with somebody in Amsterdam who was interested in something that you were interested in. So maybe you'd meet a local who knew a lot about the food scene in Amsterdam, or somebody who knew a lot about the art scene. And they would they would give you a certain amount of money for drinks, they would pay for your train ticket, and they would even have a concierge in the airport to help you figure out where you were going, make sure that your bag was safe if you needed to leave it somewhere. I mean, everything was taken care of. And that
3: program up. sounds amazing. They're not still doing it.
0: It was a pilot program, so I hope they're bringing it back. All right. So... We're getting a little close to time. What I would like to do is just kind of go around and say the best layover you've ever had. So I know for me, um, Air New Zealand ran a really great flight from Auckland to Oahu to San Francisco, and I got to spend a full day, you know, like 18 hours in Oahu, which meant a day on the beach, That's amazing. fish tacos, <laughs> you know.
4: What a way to break up a flight, Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, really, like, a
0: really, a I really mean, nasty one. I'd long, have been right there been in like the airport
4: <laughs> <laughs> looking at pictures no, of the beach wouldn't. in my lap.
0: 18 hours? Mm-hmm. No way.
4: Oh, come on.
3: I wouldn't leave the airport. But I had a very, by my stopover, I had a flight on Korean air from New York to Atlanta to Seoul to Denpasar in, in Bali, and I had a long layover, and the... Seoul Incheon Airport was wonderful, there was a great art gallery, I saw folk dance performances which apparently is part of what the airport does, I had a beautiful lunch, a lovely Korean meal and I got a little burst of Korea without leaving the airport and I was really happy. happy.
1: Lily, do you have one? So I actually did one of the existing layover programs. Uh, I did the Air Canada layover in Toronto. So I went from New York, LaGuardia to Toronto, stayed for three days, and then continued on to Zurich. I've been to Toronto before, so it was actually kind of fun that I didn't have to worry about how much time I had there. Like, I didn't have to do all the greatest hits. It was just a way to catch up with friends. And I was staying at this hotel called the Royal York, and inside the hotel, they have, like, this hidden bar that can only fit five or six people, and it's (laughs) train-themed, And my friend came and, like, after work, she and I met there, went to the train bar, like, had drinks, and it was so much fun.
4: <laughs> do they have a buddy program? Would you have been able to, like, link up with a Canadian? They don't,
1: okay. no. Um, one of the selling points of that particular program is they're really trying to get Americans to do it, especially if you're going from the West Coast to Europe or if you're going from the East Coast to Asia because yeah. it kind of breaks it up a little. And one of their big selling points is, like, get your feet wet. You're in another country, but they still speak English <laughs> right. and they'll probably take your credit Transition, card. Yeah. Am
3: I the only person, forgive me, forgive my cynicism, but am I the only person dubious about the assortment of humanity who volunteers to take strangers around cities in the middle of the workday?
0: Well, I don't know. We could save this for another I podcast. I mean, yeah, because I,
3: I, I don't have that problem. Come Whenever
0: on. Whenever Airbnb hear this, trips is banking on that right now. I mean, now.
3: couch surfing is a thing. Again, you're saying all saying things that I find inexplicable. But my point <laughs> is, I'm just saying, like, with the buddy program, I just think the complicated part is I, I'd rather pay for someone and then get to pick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but don't you think you'd know in the first five minutes and if you don't feel comfortable, yeah. you're just like, well...
4: I'm never going to see you again. I'm actually going to maybe not, not. I, think, my own. I just yeah. feel yes. like
0: when you're an introvert,
1: All of these things that we've been getting lately, all these new programs about like get to know a local, hang out with a, but I don't, new people terrify me. (laughs) You're a journalist, you meet new
0: people all the time.
1: Right, exactly. I'm on vacation to get a break from making small talk with people I don't know.
3: Yeah. Again, but I'm curious if, if listeners... If, I don't if you want ha- a
1: cooking class from them. I just want to go on vacation. But, but
3: has anyone volunteered as a greeter? You know, Chicago has a greeter program just for regular visitors for free. I'm curious if anyone has first-hand experience and I mean, maybe I'm being unfairly judgmental. This is,
4: this is clearly a topic for a whole other podcast, but I will mm. say that I did... You guys are all familiar with couch surfing. Mm-hmm. I did that in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and it was one of the most incredible travel experiences of my life. Next up on travel, not, not actually, um, my favorite layover before we wrap up, hasn't happened yet. Baku 2016. Oh, well, you mentioned that, yeah. Just you wait. We'll um, do a podcast do on Baku. When, right?
1: when Azerbaijan won Eurovision a couple years ago, Graham Norton had this great, because he does a commentary, uh, he had this great moment where he was like, that sound you just heard is literally every person Googling what is the capital of Azerbaijan, <laughs> which is
0: true because I was doing it right when he said that and the answer is Baku. yeah so. More to come. More to come. Next time on Travelog. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. Um, if you have comments, questions, please tweet at us. We love getting responses, and we follow up on a lot of them. So, and,
3: and also, we're trialing, as you can see, we're trialing in some different formats and different ways of doing the podcast, and we'd love to hear. Uh, we're going to do it for the next few weeks having someone else another voice on the podcast with us to sort of give us some topics what do you think about that who would you like us to interview let us know because we want you to enjoy this as much listening to this as much as we enjoy
1: especially if they have cool Icelandic names I can learn to pronounce exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) this airs every Friday you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes and before we go I would just like everyone to go around and say where they are online we are at cntraveler.com and you can find that on Facebook Instagram Pinterest Snapchat twitter how many social media platforms are there
1: ones that haven't been invented exactly. <laughs> we're already there <laughs> you just don't even know
0: Lily, where can we get you
1: so i am on twitter at lilliet marcus that's l-i-l-i-t-m-a-r-c-u-s and on instagram at Lilith goes
3: and i'm on twitter at mark j elwood elwood with two l's i'm at
4: seb modek
0: and i'm at laura underscore redmond on instagram and danon825 on twitter thank you everyone and have a good weekend